Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. You know, I know that the narrative the last couple of days on the campaign trail is, oh, Donald Trump is tightening things up. Oh, the race is getting closer. Oh, this, uh, I get some of these things here, right? It's like it's getting closer in New Hampshire. They're going after each other in North Carolina. That's tightening up. Uh, Trump is ahead in Arizona and Texas. They're deadlocked in Georgia. Uh, okay. I'm not freaking out yet, by the way. I think that there's plenty of reason to be concerned, but not certainly not freaking out. But I have to tell you, if we're talking about who is a serious candidate and who is not a serious candidate, this is the this I think highlights the big problem with the Trump campaign because they just say whatever they want, whether it's true or not. And this was I think summed up perfectly by Melania Trump's big speech yesterday. She gave a campaign speech. And it was the first big speech that she gave since the convention, which, by the way, was an abomination. She gave a bad speech, and it turned out she stole most of it from the First Lady of the United States. So here she goes, a chance to do a a better speech. First of all, she talks about her husband shaking things up. She says he really does shake things up. He certainly knows how to shake things up, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. Great. I don't... I I guess if that's what you're looking for, yeah, great. Yeah, he shakes things up. But here's where she loses me. Jimmy, the first clip where she talks about uh, a new way forward for our country. We must come together as Americans. We must treat each other with respect and kindness, even when we disagree. Are you effing kidding me? Like, are you, like, how does she go out there and say that when her husband is Donald Trump? Yes, let's treat each other with respect. Let's be nice to each other. Let's not say mean things to each other. Donald Trump on Twitter, August 10th of 2015. Truly weird Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky reminds me of a spoiled brat without a properly functioning brain. He was terrible at the debate. Um, April 16th of 2015, Donald Trump retweeting, If Hillary Clinton can't satisfy her husband, what makes her think she can satisfy America? Donald Trump, August 9th, 2015. I just realized that if you listen to Carly Fiorina for more than 10 minutes straight, you develop a massive headache. She has zero chance. But yeah, 
Keep talking to me about treating people with respect, Melania Trump. It, this is the biggest load of horse s. I've. This is not a serious person. This is not a serious campaign. And I know that we've known that, but the the gall, the 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 like, just not even giving an s attitude of going out there and preaching and lecturing to other people about being kind and respectful when your husband is Donald Trump. That first one goes to Secretary Thank Clinton you. because you started out the last one to the audience. If he wants to start, he can start. Go ahead, no, go ahead, Donald. No, I'm a gentleman, Hillary. Go ahead. Secretary Clinton. Yeah, he's a gentleman. Mr. Respect. Can you play that Melania Trump clip again, Jamie? I just want—I I mean, just just think about what we've seen about Donald Trump over the last year and a half or so, and and what he said, who he's attacked, and listen to what his wife, woman who wants to be first lady, says. We must come together as Americans. We must treat each other with respect and kindness, even when we disagree. Respect and kindness, even when we disagree. I think she would have been better off just plagiarizing this one as well. She really should have. She really should have. Michelle Obama gave the best speech of the entire campaign a couple of weeks ago. She could have just ripped that off. And you know what? It would have been less embarrassing for her to go out there and give somebody else's speech word for word than to go out there with a straight face and try and say that we need to treat people with kindness and respect when her husband is Donald Trump. August 28th. 2012, Donald Trump, Ariana Huffington is unattractive both inside and out. I fully understand why her former husband left her for a man. He made a good decision. Isn't that kind? Isn't that respectful? Isn't that nice? It's just, it's, it, it boggles the mind. December 12, 2013, Donald Trump. How amazing, the state health director who verified copies of Obama's birth certificate died in a plane crash today. All others lived. Donald Trump insinuating that the president of the United States had someone killed to hide the truth about his birth certificate. This to me is galling. Like, don't, we, and, and, and by the way, there's this whole thing about, oh, we've got to treat the first ladies, you know, with some respect because they're, you know, they're out there supporting their husband. I'm sorry. This is the craziest thing I think I've heard in this election. Such Social a nasty trust one. Fund. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How kind and respectful. We've seen a lot of crazy things in this election. This, to me, is, the I, I honestly think, the nuttiest. She can say, you know, look, we should respect each other. We should be kind to each other. But, there, you know, there comes a time when we have to call people out. And, you know, maybe that works. I still think it's a little abusive for what Donald Trump does, but maybe that works as a narrative. But to say that we as a country are too divisive and mean and need to be more respectful and kind, get out of here. It's the craziest thing. I have to say, nothing made me happier during this whole election cycle going back, you know, two years, year and a half. Nothing made me happier than watching Ted Cruz lose to Donald Trump after after playing like he was best friends with Donald Trump and that the media was just trying to create some narrative to pit the two of them against each other. 
and then their relationship falling apart, shattering in front of our eyes. And uh, boy, that made me happy. It really did. Am I petty? Am I petty for finding uh, joy in that, Jamie? Absolutely not. Okay. I think, I appreciate that because I, I feel like it's warranted. I mean, Ted Cruz is a bad person. Full stop. Ted Cruz is a bad person. So you remember their primary where it all fell apart there at the end. And uh, they were buddies. And then the relationship soured. And Ted Cruz came out and said all these horrible things about Donald Trump. You remember uh, back in January when they were on the debate stage and he took a shot at the New York values that uh, Donald Trump practiced. Everyone understands that the values in New York City are socially liberal or pro-abortion or pro-gay marriage, focus around money and the media. And you remember on the debate stage when Donald Trump called him the single biggest liar. I mean, just listen to how angry and how upset they were at each other. Right now, today, as a candidate, he supports federal taxpayer funding for Planned Parenthood. I disagree with him on that. That's a matter you of principle. And I'll, and I'll tell you. You are the single biggest liar. You probably are worse than Jeb Bush. <laughs> you are the single biggest liar. <laughs> and then Donald Trump tweeted... That Ted Cruz's wife was ugly. He sent out a tweet saying that his wife was hotter than Ted Cruz's wife and that she wasn't an attractive woman, is the is the, the message he was trying to send with that tweet. And Ted Cruz came out, this was in March of earlier this year, where he went so far as to call him a sniveling coward. Donald, you're a sniveling coward and leave Heidi the hell alone. And listen very carefully to this next clip, also again about the, the wife. I'm not in the habit of supporting someone who attacks my wife and attacks my family. I think that is going beyond the line. Oh, man, you, mm, you smell that? You just breathe. I'm supporting someone who attacks my wife just and attacks breathe, my family. Breathe I think, that in. Just bathe in that. Just let that wash over you this morning. Just let it just just bathe yourself in that awful, oh, ugh. Well, then, that brings us to yesterday. We knew that Ted Cruz had endorsed Donald Trump. Not only did he endorse him. He put boots on the ground, baby. He went out to Iowa. He went out to campaign for Donald Trump. Now, someone asked him, of course, if this was, um, if there was still a rift between him and Donald Trump. Because remember, even at the convention, he didn't give a full-throated endorsement of Donald Trump. He gave anything but. But yesterday, someone asked him about this, and this is what Ted Cruz had to say. Here campaigning for Donald Trump for Mike Pence. I, I recognize some of you guys are wanting to write stories suggesting divisions among Republicans. I'll make a point. I'm getting ready to get on a gigantic airplane that has Donald Trump's name painted on the side. Remember these politicians. Do not let them forget what they have done to their party and to the country. Do not forget. When we get around to election time in another four years... And you're going to see a lot of these same names out there. You're going to see a Ted Cruz. You're going to see Paul Ryan. He's probably not going to run for president, but you're going to see Jason Chaffetz. You're going to see all these gutless politicians who sold out their party, sold out their constituents, sold out their country. And you're going to see them go out there and put on a happy face and... Oh, you know, it was a dark period of time for us with Donald Trump, but, you know, we're finally past that. Never forget that those are the people 
who enabled it. Ted Cruz has enabled a Donald Trump candidacy. I'm a maniac. There, yeah, that's right. Remember, he, he he went out there at the debate stage and went through this whole thing about this is all Trump does. I'm going to this is this is yesterday. It was in Iowa that they sent um, Ted Cruz. By the way, Iowa maybe the dumbest constituency of any state in America politically. Remember the last time you did this? Bring it. Where's the lie? Sorry. The whole caucus thing and that's right. Upsetting yeah. many of our listeners. Don't even care. I, right. I, I'm not beating up on the caucus system necessarily, although I think it's outdated and dumb. No, this is worse, is what I'm I saying. I think that the people of Iowa take themselves so freaking seriously and look at what they've given us. You want to You want to go further? How do you feel about New Hampshire? Uh, let me tell you something. I'll tell you how I feel about New Hampshire. I'll tell you how I feel about New you Hampshire. You got a Dixville notch I'll joke tell you, for I'll me? Tell you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how I feel about New Hampshire. I'll tell you exactly. All right. Suffolk University Boston Globe poll shows even race for president in New Hampshire. Do I really have to tell you how I feel about New Hampshire? You people are idiots. You making this race close? If you live in a state where this race is close, shame on you. Like, look, I'm not a big Hillary Clinton fan. She ain't my first choice, but she is the only choice at this point. If you, I'm going to take, all right, peel back the curtain just a little bit. (laughs) I'm going to get to the cruise stuff. I got to tell you something. Maybe you guys can help me out with this at 866-55-PRESS. I am a mama's boy. I love my mama. I talk to my mama all the time. All right? From the South. It's I, Mama means everything to me. I talk to my mom every day, if not every, maybe every other day, until about a month and a half ago when I found out that my mom, a lifelong Republican, is voting for Donald Trump. And... It upset me so deeply that I hung up the phone on my mom, which is terrible, I know. I haven't talked to her since. I haven't done that since I was like 16. I haven't talked to her since. I'm a grown man. You have not talked to your mom since? I haven't. This was a couple of weeks ago. This was like a month ago. I haven't talked to my mom Has since. she tried to reach out to you and you've no. ignored her calls? Well, she texted me. She texted me uh, because she she uh, she had like ordered something from... She was on a new mattress, uh-huh. and she called, and she said her last name. And she was like, oh, is your, is your son Peter? Is he working on the Bill Press show? And she texted me that. I didn't respond. <laughs> wow. I can't talk to her. I'm so upset. I am so upset. Because here's the thing. I, I have plenty of disagreements with my family and how I was brought up. I was brought up Southern Baptist, brought up in the South. Um, to, to say that my family isn't very woke would be an understatement. But I cannot and will not allow anybody in my circle who's voting for Trump. I just can't. I can't. I talked to my dad briefly uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, and it didn't come up. But I did sort of hint, you know, that uh, this election is, is, you know, completely insane. So you're not spending Thanksgiving with them? I am. Oh, you are? That's the thing. Down there? Down there. So you are going into your parents' home yeah. after likely not having talked to them in I don't know. what at that point will have been about a month and a half, two months? Yeah, yeah, it will have been uh, it will have been quite some time. I, 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 and I don't know what breaks me out of this cycle, right? Like, I'm trying to figure out what it is that's going to get me back on, on, on speaking terms with my mom. Here's what I think I'm going to do. I think I just can't think about it until after the election. And once Hillary wins, maybe some of that will go away. 
But like, oh, I, I'll t- I take it. The, the only other conversation we didn't have any conversation, but I did send her a text the next day, and I linked her to the Glenn Beck piece where he said he's voting for Hillary. Was he a hero of hers? Yeah, she loves Glenn Beck. She yeah. loves Glenn Beck. And I just said, look, this guy's a conservative. If you want to vote for your Republican senators and your Republican House members, I get it. You know, Tim Scott in South Carolina, the senator there, one of the senators there, seems to be doing, I mean, he's a Republican. He's got some bad ideas and a lot of things, but a level-headed thinking guy. I found a flaw in your strategy. Go ahead. You didn't, so you sent her the Glenn Beck clip. That's I good. I did. But you were supposed to send her an Alex Jones clip <laughs> right afterward just to show her how crazy That's what I Trump supporters done. are and this the is who, quote unquote alt right is. This is who you're aligning yourself with, Mom. Alex Jones. Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I mean I think I think maybe after the election, like I don't wanna call and rub it in, because my mom, I love my mom, but I wanna like I, I just I, it, it has disturbed me so deeply. Like I literally, I hung up the phone. I just didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. Phone. I was just thinking to myself, what? What am I gonna do? How? How have I gone to? The, my mom is the sweetest woman who ever lived. Southern Baptist. I mean, like you, I always tell people, you meet my mom, you got a hug for life. Sweetest woman ever, and yet she has no moral compass. Uh, my name is Peter Ogden. I'm here with Paul Singer. My buddy Paul Singer, Washington correspondent for USA Today. Good morning, sir. Good to see you, man. Nice to be here. Thank Thanks you. for coming in. Nice to be. Paul, I just want to jump right into maybe the craziest thing from yesterday. Melania Trump. Yeah, and we had to start there. It, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's, it still boggles the mind. Jamie, do you have that first clip where she came out and this is her big speech, right? She hasn't given one since the convention. Declaring her first lady agenda. Yep. Because every every first lady or first man will, Bill Clinton, yeah. will have an agenda. Correct. Uh, here's what Melania Trump says. We must come together as Americans. We must treat each other with respect and kindness, even when we disagree. Uh, I don't know if you can watch us on the video stream, but I am vomiting everywhere after hearing that clip. There, There is a, a kind of jaw-dropping moment when we were watching this thing live. We're like, wait. Did she just say that her major campaign issue, that is her major sort of, you know, uh, uh, first lady initiative is going to be battling uh, online bullying, particularly yeah. in social media? Yeah. And she said, you know, people are mean on social media. And she's like, this, this, this is a mockumentary, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's right. one of those kind of <laughs> broad, ironic social commentary moments. Like, she's kidding. Yeah. Like, clearly, she's kidding. In her speech at the convention, she plagiarized Michelle Obama's speech. If she had come out yesterday and given another Michelle Obama speech, like verbatim, that would have been less weird than this. That is correct. That yeah. would have been less weird than this. I pulled up a bunch of Donald Trump tweets, right? All the I, ki- kindness and respect that she talks about. Uh, truly weird Senator Rand Paul reminds me of a spoiled brat without a properly functioning brain. That's that respect and kindness uh, she must be talking about. Uh, he retweeted, if Hillary Clinton can't satisfy her husband, what makes her think she can satisfy America? Very, very kind. I, but, you know, this is, you know, McDonald's has a health food campaign, right? I mean, it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Coca-Cola now serves its death juice in a smaller bottle. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, you know, America has gotten used to the notion that it's opposite land, right? You know, the guy who's been selling you uh, toxic hamburgers uh, from a clown's mouth for the past 50 years is going to suddenly make carrot sticks. That okay. is, that is perfect. 
I mean, that is what we're dealing with That's here. what we're dealing with. Does anything matter, Paul? I mean, does, I mean, like, I, I, I guess what I'm getting at here is how do you, or how does one report on that? Or how does one address the fact that she just put that out there, which is a noble cause. Uh, she's right. She's right about everything that she said. Right. How, it's, you know, how do you say, okay, that's a very good, well, and also and that's your, you're married to the, a crazy person. From a journalist perspective, there is this really odd moment where you want to say, okay, we, we have to write a story about what Melania Trump has said as her agenda, which is, as you said, a, a valid and interesting agenda and online bullying is a real thing. Um, uh, part of it has actually been uh, uh, encouraged by Donald Trump, but that's a whole different thing, right? So we want to talk about Melania Trump. We have to at least, yeah, at one point we had the story up uh, on our on our website for a little while um, and we looked at the story again like, hold it. We forgot to mention in the middle of the story Donald Trump has regularly berated people and used hostile and angry language on Twitter, you know, and other social and in public, which is just fact, right? We have to include that fact. Yeah. But as a reporter, you can't sort of write in the story, hey, did anybody notice how completely ironic this whole thing is? Um, so, but then somewhere in the blogosphere, we put up another story that was just sort of a collection of tweets of mm. people pointing out that this was wildly ironic. Yeah. Um, but it's hard for a reporter because, you know, I think we can't just say, people, this is redunculous. I, we, it just, this is, this, I, I'm not a reporter. This is how my this is how my piece would be. Melania Trump gave a speech where she thinks that more people should practice respect and kindness. Look, look at what her husband said. Right. Just look, and that's my piece. Right. And 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 perhaps we should have just said, you know, that first line. You're Melania Trump. You know, kindness. Blah, blah, period. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Period. Right? And then we would have been done. done. Yeah, that's it. Get out Come of Come on, man. But, <laughs> but there's it. this I, I, irony does not translate well in journalism. Uh, and, and again, we're trying to also be fair and reflect the fact that she's talking about a serious topic yeah. uh, that matters to a lot of people. And she's got a real point. Um, but, but you almost it, it would have made more sense, honestly, and there's no way she could have done this if she could have said, I understand my husband has been contributing to this. And we've had a conversation, and we're both going to get past it, right? That would Come have been a meaningful on, moment. Come on, man, that's what we need. Yeah. No, you're right. That that would have been interesting, but that's just not something that yeah that is able to, to no. that they're able to do. We've talked about a lot of like apocalyptic politics garbage all morning. Nice. Uh, and how nothing matters. It's so uplifting. Yeah. And so we're going to switch gears now. We're going to talk about uh, the uplifting nature of Sporps. I love Sporps. Yeah, right? <laughs> Isn't it the best? Sports. Seriously, I love Sporps <laughs> so much. <laughs> I like, I, I, I watch sports. I like sports. Baseball is, is like, if I had to watch one sport for the rest of my life, it would be baseball. Same. Uh, baseball, so, baseball is the, the best sport. I think so. Baseball is the most romantic sport. Agreed. Baseball is the, like... Oh, but like, it's boring. Baseball is boring. Oh, shut up. Go, like, drink a beer. There's stuff to kidding. do. That's what people say when I I know. I was I talking to the people that you were talking about. So, um, how about the drama of the World Series? Oh, my God. Is that insane? I was... Uh, you know, so there's... You know the serenity prayer? God grant me the freedom, whatever, whatever. No, freedom. No, no, they don't let me in the... I'm a Jew. I don't know either. <laughs> but like, there's this thing that you'll see on pillows embroidered, and it's like, God grant me the wisdom, whatever. Oh God, I wish I knew this better. But anyway, there's like, um, you know, to change what I can and to accept. Oh what yeah, I can, yeah. Okay, all right. Sure, there it sure. is. I know that thing. It's early. I know what you're talking um, about. So it's like, 
I think that there should be one for Twitter where it's like, you know, and and not tweet through it yeah. should be. But I tweeted through it. Yeah, I I and I, I was I, so. Oh. I'm usually not a joiner, like j- across the board. I'm not a joiner. Oh really? But I joined. I'm a totally I was joiner. Tweeting. I was tweeting. <laughs> I was totally tweeting. I mean, it was so stressful and so exciting, and probably one of the greatest baseball games we're ever gonna see. That's the best baseball game I've ever seen. Oh yeah. I can't think of anything that could have like I can't think of a scenario where we could get a better baseball game. By the way, I even said I, I I will out myself here. I said uh, when the Cubs were down three to one, uh-huh. I said they're not going to win another game. I thought it was over. And then Cleveland blew a three one. Cleveland lead. blew a three one lead. Oh, I'll out myself. I was rooting for Cleveland. Wait, were you really? Wow. Yeah. What's up with that? Jamie, you're from Bo- you're from the Northeast. You. I know. Hear I'm me out. For Cleveland Hear me situation. out. All right. Number one, Terry Francona, uh, one of the greatest managers in baseball, definitely Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Number two, I kind of wanted a team that hadn't won in the longest okay. time to still exist. Okay. I don't disagree. By the way, I, I don't that. disagree I feel like with that baseball sentiment. needs that. I, I don't that. disagree with that sentiment. But maybe that team is now Cleveland. I think that team is now Cleveland. I was going to ask who that is. It is it now Cleveland? I'm pretty sure. How many years is it for Cleveland? It's like 60-something. 60 60 I think it was 48, maybe, 40, uh, 46, 48. Yeah, I'm going to give a hot take here because there's so much writing that's been done about, like, oh, this dude, like, traveled from Chicago to where, like, Wisconsin to go to his father's grave because... He, North Carolina to Illinois. North Carolina to Illinois. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I put that on the internet. Because this guy, this guy, like... Aggregated it. Did you put that on there? No, I didn't. This guy it. had a deal with his father that if the Cubs ever went to the World Series, they'd watch the World Series because his father died a couple years ago. Right. So he drove all this way to sit by his grave and listen to it on the radio. And that's cool, I guess. But, I've... like, if I die and my favorite baseball team has never won a world championship, it's really not that big of a deal. Well, it's not that like, I don't it... want my kids running around and being like, oh, my daddy never got to see the Nationals win a World Series. Like, just, it's, I have, it's okay. I, have, I live a pretty fulfilled life. I have such a hard disagree on that. That's fine. Same. I mean, like, first, first of all, you'll be dead, so of course it won't matter. Yeah, I know. But, like, but, 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 for your is, kids, yeah, yeah, it matters. I don't want my kids running around. To, I just, it's just like, just I've leave seen, me alone. I've just seen a lot of really moving writing where people are like, this is what connected me to my dad, or this is what connected me to my grandmother. And yeah. Yeah, so I'm here for it. I yeah. think it's really moving. I think it's really, I think it shows that, you know, sports, like, we shouldn't care about sports. Sports don't matter. And yet we care so much. And it says so much oh, more. I believe and you know? love the human nature of, like, fandom and right. sports and all of that. But, like, I also, I'm just a sap. I was just sitting at my desk yesterday morning, like, reading all this stuff, just, like, weeping. Mm. I also just happen to uh, like sports teams that win championships. So it's not really something that I would know about. I mean, Look at you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what it's like to have Peter, a team that just doesn't win. What's your take on the uh, baseball player, or really any athlete, that goes to visit the uh, sick child in the hospital and says, I'm going to hit a home run for you, or I'm going to you know, make a scoring record in a basketball game? What's What's your take on that? I think that's sweet. So that's a sappy thing that you will. That, I think that's sweet. That you will fall for. But in I, sports. yeah, I will absolutely fall for that. And by the way, I think this is really sweet because last season, I don't know if you, Bryce Harper went to the cancer ward and promised a kid he was going to ground out to second. Oh, <laughs> and he did. Now, is that not the sweetest thing you've ever heard? Oh, well, it was in the first half of the season, but I had optimism that sweet? for about that mm, sweet? twenty seconds. Today. Isn't that special? <laughs> right out the window. <laughs> You know what? I'm really going to mess this bun up just for you. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen, kid. I'm going to drop a bunt right in front of the catcher. It's going to look like a home yeah. run. It won't be. God. 
You're yeah, terrible. Daniel Murphy promised a kid, I'm going to drop an easy infield. No, and he did it. Isn't that sweet? Oh, man. It's just. What's it but, like to be dead inside? <laughs> it's not bad. I'm not going to lie. It's not bad. It's not bad. I'm not going to lie. Um, but no, like, like, like the, the, whole, the, the whole thing with the Cubs, I think. This is why I was rooting for the Cubs, even mm-hmm. though I think the Cub fans are kind of obnoxious. Like, just listen, I'm from Boston, so kindred spirits, yeah. Boston and Chicago. Here we go. I, I, I said I never understood why people hated Boston sports fans until I started working with Jamie. Like, <laughs> and Jamie, talking to me occasionally. Like, no, no, no. But it's like, it's just, like I get it now. But like the Cubs are the same way, right? Right. The, 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 some of the most annoying fans in baseball, and that, but that's okay. I mean, you can right. be annoying and be a fan. I'm just not. I mean, like I said, I'm not no, I totally it. agree. I mean, I own it. I'm like, yeah, I'm super obnoxious. What does this mean to the city of Chicago moving forward, though? So, they get their win. They're I no sh- longer the perennial losers. What happens now? I actually Where's wrote their about identity? that. I wrote about that yesterday I um, because I. You, I asked you. Are you reading? <laughs> Have, maybe you've seen my work. Um, <laughs> I think that. I don't want to make this about Boston because it's not about Boston, but there's a frame of reference, I think, that when you break a... Like, there's not... Shut up. Don't look at me. Are you a Boston fan? (laughs) No, I just mean, like, when you you end something that has been a constant, which is heartbreak for, Mm -hmm. you know, at the hands of, of this one team, and then... You you move forward. It's like it's like Stranger Things. You're in the upside down. You're like, wait. I hate Stranger Things. Well, God, <laughs> we, we are just not seeing uh, that. Everybody either. loves it. I hate it. Okay. Well, anyway, so I think that um, there's a there's a romance and there's something like really kind of sickly wonderful about continually being let down by your sports right. team. Right. And then and then when you go when you switch to you know wait like we won we're good now. Um, I think that there's there's sort of a little bit of sadness to that where you're like, man, it was really fun to sort of constantly be down and out. Right. But then you realize that winning's really fun. Yeah. It's yeah. really no, cool to win. No, there is a there is this like the elusive uh the allure of having something that's mysterious right. that you're never going to get, right? Although like, I did talk to I talked to a Cubs fan yesterday who he um he was this guy whose 11 year old daughter stayed up really late to watch a game, of course, and he let her sleep in. He went to school with her, um, and I have a story coming out about this this that's morning. Just bad parenting. It's ahead. good parenting. But go ahead. He went to school with her, and she was late, and he had to write down why on like the tardiness slip, and he just wrote Chicago Cubs only happens once every hundred uh. years. <laughs> and uh, and he, when I asked him, I was like, you know, what next? He was like, we're not thinking about next. We are just in this moment enjoying this. See that I like. And I was like, oh, that cool. I like. That's real and genuine. That's real and. I was like, that's so much better than thinking about what do you do after this. Like, just be in it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I am thrilled to have our buddy, (laughs) attorney, and the founder of Normal, Keith Stroop, in studio with us. Keith, thanks for coming in, man. My pleasure. Uh, I might add to that introduction, I'm also the world's oldest marijuana smoker. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> what it's, I mean, look, I, when, I, when I heard you were coming in, I made sure to bring in a little treat for us. So we're going right. to smoke a little joint on air if you're down with it. I wake and bake. All right, let's do it. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spark this up as soon as I ask you the, this first question. But I want to ask you, first of all, you, you founded Normal. Yes. Um, talk to me about the foresight you had and, and when you <laughs> did it. And and how you got there, because it's only been recently that pot usage has become um, a little more mainstream and, yeah. and, and acceptable. Yeah. So what 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 
Well, put you in that direction. You know, the the first step was I I first smoked marijuana when I was a freshman at Georgetown Law School. I I know the university is always proud when I say that, but it happens to be the truth. And so uh, that was one factor. I had become a marijuana smoker myself. Nice. Um, I I had become radicalized by the war in Vietnam and the anti-war protests, and there was a lot of marijuana smoking associated with those protests. And then finally, I had the pleasure of spending a couple of years working near uh, and around Ralph Nader, the consumer advocate. I worked for a commission called the National Commission on Product Safety. It was my way to stay out of the draft. I had what was called a critical skills to firm it. But in those two years, uh, I was introduced to this concept that you could use your law school education and your skills uh, to try to impact public policy instead of just trying to get rich. And yeah, yeah. the public policy I was concerned about by that point, because I had been smoking marijuana for six or seven years, I wanted to legalize marijuana. Now, I will admit this. Uh, it took a large dose of idealism and naivete because, frankly, only 12% of the country, according to the Gallup poll, supported us when we founded Normal in 1970. 88% of the public was opposed to us. 88% yeah. of the public. And now, by the way, we have six or seven national polls showing between wow. 56 and 63% of the public support full legalization nationwide, which is quite amazing because only amazing. about 15% of the public are smokers. The rest of the people who support it understand they're not pro-pot, they're anti-prohibition. They, that's that's yeah. what it comes to. You, you know the rules, by the way, puff, puff, pass. So <laughs> pass over, you might have to relight that. But, I appreciate it. Uh, and, and by the way, being the like textbook classic stoner, I brought an incense because I didn't want the studio to stink. Well, so we, we, just, we can just use this to ash in as well. Yeah, we, we don't want you to, to be thrown out of your studio. Here, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, yes. let, let, let's yeah. talk a little bit about um, the presidential race. It, how I mean, we're looking at the two leading candidates, yeah. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Um, well, I'll tell you what's most important from our standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, neither one of them have been pro-pot in any sense in their lives. Uh, but uh, both of them have said during this campaign they would continue the Obama doctrine, which is what's most important to us. And that is that the federal government will stand back and allow the states to experiment with different versions of marijuana legalization, whereas if they chose to, they could go to, they could have the Department of Justice go into federal court and seek an injunction to shut those systems down. Obama chose not to do that. It was the biggest favor he ever gave the legalization movement because we now have a track record. We have two states where they've had legalized marijuana up and running for more than two years, and it's demonstrated the sky didn't fall. In fact, what happened was they raised hundreds of millions of dollars in tax revenue, yes. they created tens of thousands of new jobs. Uh, so. Uh, Obama did us the favor. Both of the presidential candidates assure us they will stay with that Obama doctrine. What I'm hopeful is that, assuming Hillary wins, and I, I think she will edge it out, even though it's a little nerve-wracking yeah, here at the end, yeah. um, I think once she gets more familiar with those experiences in Colorado and Washington and Oregon and Alaska, uh, I would bet you by her second term she'll be in support of full legalization. That is a hell of a prediction. Well, I tell that's you, a, I, yeah, and, 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 you know, I don't it think that, it'll be radical, by right. the way. That's what I'm saying. I, we're definitely going that way. I yeah. mean, we're definitely moving towards that. And I think it's I, I think that if she, that would be great. I would love to see. That. Well, I, I think what happens is um, 
mainstream politicians, regardless of their party, learned in the 80s and the 90s that the worst mistake you can ever make is to appear to be what they used to call soft on drugs or right. soft on crime. Right. If your opponent wants to lock people up longer for longer periods than you do, you may get defeated at the next election. And there were there were a couple of decades where that was true. Now, in fact, what the polls show today is quite the opposite. As high as 63% in the latest national poll yeah. favor full legalization, but the elected officials are still running scared. So uh, we just did a scorecard of uh, all members of Congress and of all governors, and only 4% of the members of Congress favor full legalization, despite the fact that 63% of the American public. So you can see it takes mainstream politicians a while to be convinced that it's a safe position to embrace. But I would bet you we'll be there by the end of uh, Hillary's first term. I love that. Uh, Really quick reminder, the election is Tuesday, in case y'all hadn't seen that yet. Uh, But we're going to be doing some very special coverage on the day of the election 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to be broadcasting live on Free Speech TV and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Go there now, subscribe. You get a little reminder whenever uh, we put the new videos out. Uh, so go check that out. And remember, Tuesday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., a very special election show. Folks, we're close. This is the last weekend we have before the election, so uh, get a little rest. Stay hydrated. It's going to be a long week next week. Thank God we found it to the end of this one. My name is Peter Ogburn. Thanks so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Tweet the show at BP Show. You can tweet me at Peter Ogburn. Tweet Jamie at J Benson DC. Have a good weekend. We're out. This is the Bill Press Show. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.